0: Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. I want to turn our attention to the reading from the Acts of the Apostles that we heard just a few moments ago. Peter and John have come to the temple to pray at the appointed hour in which they encounter this man who has been um, lame since birth. And they go and they see this man. Now, if you were, um, if you were. Um, someone who had to beg for money. Certainly the smartest thing to do would to be to stand in front of one of the gates that people would enter to go to the temple in hopes that as they're going in for this religious exercise, they might see you and have greater compassion and give you money. But this man, his, 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 his issue is not just that he has been born lame and is unable to work and has to rely on the generosity of others to survive. Also, the assumption would be that somebody who was lame, that either he had sinned or his parents had sinned. Our minds might hearken back to the story in John's gospel about the man who was born blind, who sinned. Was it him or was it his parents? In which Jesus destroys that notion that our illnesses are connected to our sins. So the man would also have been, uh, not only would the assumption be in the wider community that he or his parents had done something that caused this, um, his his disability to to happen, he would have been excluded from the wider community. So the healing that takes place in the story is not just a healing of the physical things that are happening with this man, but also the spiritual And the relational aspects as well. The root word for Holy Spirit is this word, Paracleta, which means the one who answers the cry. And this man cries out to John and to Peter, and the Holy Spirit answers with a healing. Now, I don't know about you, but maybe when you hear healing, sometimes um, you, the screen comes up, and you go, oh, well, that's something those people on TV try to, to do. Think about the movie starring Steve Martin, Leap of Faith. I don't know how many of you all have seen this. It's been a while since, uh, since it was made, maybe the mid-90s. Steve Martin goes from town to town and puts on this revival-like show in which miraculous healings occur because he has stagehands who sit there and have developed um, a a brilliant way of identifying um, who needs to be healed so that people can be seen. That way, people will give more money once they see the healings begin, then certainly people will be more generous. And certainly there are people for whom they have made healing something that they sell. But I will tell you that I have seen people who are healed and there is no explanation scientifically for why it happened. I will also tell you that I have prayed earnestly for the healing and it has not come. I do not understand why sometimes healing happens and why sometimes healing does not happen. But the text gives us some insight into some things that we should not assume about why healing happens. This man who was born lame from birth, once he is healed, he leaps up and he holds on to John and to Peter. He, He hugs them and will not let them go. Much like Mary Magdalene, when she encounters Jesus in the garden and wants to cling to him, Jesus says, don't cling to me yet. Peter says something similar to this man and says to the whole crowd, you Israelites, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though it is by our own power or piety that we have made him walk? In essence, Peter's saying, it is not me who is doing this, it is not my ability, but it is God's ability working through me. Martin Luther says that piety is, Is Satan's spouse that we can begin to trust in our own goodness in our own power and we forget that it is at God who is work in the world and we don't always understand God's actions Peter does not want the man to cling to him he wants him to cling to the one who is the source of healing God it is really hard for us modern-day humans to say this, but it is not me, but Christ who works through me. God has blessed each and every single one of the of us with amazing gifts and talents, and all of these gifts and talents are different. There is nothing in life that I would much, do, what I would love to do, than to stand back there with the choir and sing. But I know that that would be cruel and unusual punishment for you all. These gifts that God has given you are not to puff you up or to make you believe that somehow you are better than others, but God has blessed you with gifts so that you will bless others. So the gifts that we have are not gifts for us to hoard. They are gifts for us to share with others. I think this is what Peter's trying to say. Look, it's not us. It's not our piety. It's not our power. It is God. Peter tells them, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors have glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate. Peter in this sermon is telling those who are listening that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who, who when Moses was, was lost in the, in, in the desert, or, I mean, was tending the flock of his father in law's animals in the desert, encounters this burning bush and he says, Who are you? God says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That just as God had done something amazing in that moment to deliver the people of Israel out of slavery into freedom, God in Jesus Christ, Peter says, is doing something similar, that it's amazing. But Peter says, Peter says that it was through Jesus' suffering that we are healed Isaiah 53 talks about the suffering servant, the one who bears our sins and suffers for us. And I want to say for anyone who has ever suffered in this life, how glorious it is that when Jesus um, goes to his disciples and encounters them after the resurrection, that he still has wounds to show. That our suffering in this life is not for nothing, It is not something for us simply to go over, but it becomes part of who we are. There's power in seeing a suffering Savior. Peter continues, you who rejected the Holy and Righteous One asked for a murder to be given to you, and you killed the author of life, and God has raised him from the dead. The people had a desire to release Barabbas, somebody who in our own day we might refer to as a terrorist, someone who likely had been found guilty of insurrection and urging a violent revolt against the Roman government. N.T. Wright says that it's a matter of literal and historical truth that the one who bore the sins of many That Jesus dies in place of the one who was truly guilty. And Jesus lives for all. The author of life cannot be killed. God's power is too big. And so to this Peter says that we are witnesses. And by faith in his name, his name itself has made this one strong. Whom you see and know and that the faith that is, through Jesus, has given him perfect health in the presence of you. In other words, Jesus, uh, other words Peter says, hey, you've seen it with your own eyes, now what are you going to do about it? Are you going to continue to doubt and disbelieve, or are you willing to rethink? Adam Grant, in his book, Think Again, explores how people's minds are changed, or at least to how to get them to consider something they hadn't before. He says that we learn more from people who challenge our thought process than those who affirm our conclusions. Strong leaders engage their critics and make themselves stronger. Weak leaders silence their critics and make themselves weaker. In other words, Grant says that we listen to views and opinions that reinforce what we already believe, discount and reject opposing opinions. What he suggests is, is being generous in our conversations and interactions. He says arrogance is ignorance mixed with conviction. A- <laughs> arrogance is ignorance mixed with conviction. Social Media 101. He says, one of the issues with religious people is that we are often afraid to hold questions in tension. That we are afraid to engage deep questions of life because we might have to rethink something that we know to be true. One of the churchy words that we use is the word repent, and to repent literally means to rethink. I think we all need to repent. I think we all need to think again. Much like those who saw this miraculous healing and Peter says, look, you've seen it, now what are you gonna do? Are you gonna repent or are you gonna continue on down a different path? Adam Grant shares the story of Daryl Davis, a piano player who played in country and western bands. What was different about Daryl was is that he was black. You don't find a lot of black piano players in country and western bands he had a show in a deep southern town and a man approaches Davis and compliments him on his piano playing and says, maybe we could have a drink. Began a lifelong friendship and transformation for the man that he shared a drink with was a grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. As they were chatting, Davis asked, how is it that you can hate me when you don't even know me? The Klan leader begins to explain that blacks have a gene that causes them to commit crime. Davis says, Well, I'm black. I've never committed a crime. To which the Klan member suggests that Davis may just have a latent gene that hasn't shown up yet. Davis then asks the Klan member, says, Can you name one black serial killer? Clan member has to admit he has never heard of a black serial killer, but Davis was able to list off numerous names of white serial killers and which now their stories fill our Netflix feed. <laughs> so Davis asks him whether the clan member was a serial killer since he was white. The clan member says, I am not a serial killer. And Davis says, Well, how do we know you just don't have a latent gene that hasn't shown up yet? clan member says that later that this willingness to engage in a conversation forced him to rethink or repent of what he assumed to be true. That there is a joy in being wrong sometimes. We don't, as a culture, reward people for saying, you know, I have rethought this or maybe I was wrong about this. But there is a joy in repentance. There is a joy in realizing sometimes we are wrong Maybe if we are willing, then this is Peter ends this thing with this this thing to, to, um, to share their faith. Maybe if we are willing to share our faith with someone by loving them rather than trying to prove them wrong as our starting point will be more successful. My first rule on evangelism is simple, just don't be a jerk. At the concert we held two weeks ago, Mike McClure, the artist, invited a friend to come listen to the music. His friend was chatting with Andy Richardson, and he said, this church seems to love well. Maybe, just maybe, that loving others is more important than confidence in our own rightness. Maybe love is the best witness that we can give to the work of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more, go to ChristChurchTulsa.org. And peace be with you.